Hey everyone, this is Siobhan with the Creative Outsiders Podcast, where we connect the dots for women storytellers. Basically, we want to show you it's possible to live your filmmaking dreams. For creatives, by creatives, location locked. Wish you could find production staff that's professional and easy to work with. Do you lose a lot of time trying to find the perfect location? Then you'll love Location Lock, a peer-to-peer marketplace that offers filmmakers and content creators like yourself the opportunity to book locations and services needed for your next big project or event. Location Lock can also help spread the word about your next open photography session or casting call. It's a win-win. Visit LocationLock.com today and get started. And today I have the privilege of sitting down and chatting with Alana Marie. I can't wait to talk to her because y'all know I love documentaries and that's something that she's over here doing the best at. So welcome, Alana. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yes, me too. Y'all, listen, I have like so many times tried to get her on the show because your girl over here has been <laughs> lacking, but here we are today. <laughs> Here we are, divine purpose. Exactly. So in case you don't know, I'm a research junkie and I had a great time like researching you. So I have a lot of questions. Oh, okay. Pop all good things. Yes. I need to check the internet to make sure all is good on my name as well. All good things. All good things. So it's very interesting. I have a um actually one of my cousins, she briefly, well not briefly, I think like five years lived in St. Louis. So I wanted to start off by asking you, what has your journey been like so far as being a filmmaker in St. Louis? Well, I've only been truly involved in filmmaking for the past two years. I just had my second year anniversary this past April. Um, But I think it just in the short amount of time and, and what I've been able to create and the people I've been able to meet and the support I've been able to garner have been very good. Mm-hmm. Um, St. Louis has a lot of potential, but the drawback about St. Louis is while Missouri is the show me state, it is very true. People typically do not provide tangible support unless you show them something or mm-hmm. if they are getting something in return. And that is not true for everybody. More often than not, it is not true on my end, but it is very real. And I, I have a large amount of, of people that I'm friends and associates with, so that is very real for. But St. Louis is very unique. We're very creative. We're very innovative. I'm sure with all that's going on with, you know, modern day civil rights and social media, St. Louis has been like the pinnacle point of a, a lot of the things that's been occurring around the nation. It's like we're like the tipping off point. So that's in, in both good and bad ways. But for me specifically, I've gotten a lot of support, um, especially because being a black female filmmaker is such a small niche mm-hmm. in not just St. Louis, but, you know, industry-wide. So while filmmaking is very much a white male saturated industry, it's heightened immensely in a city like St. Louis. Mm. So then why filmmaking? Because you're if I'm not mistaken, is your undergrad or your master's and it's not in film. Mm-mm. Right. So no previous filmmaking experience. Uh, my master's is in social work with an emphasis in social and economic development, but my undergrad was in communication. 
public okay. relations and marketing. So I had a media background. I always thought I was going to go into public relations and the entertainment industry. So I was like, I want to be in the entertainment industry, but I want to be behind the scenes. And I always write, so I blog. I wrote for a magazine called Popular Mag that was based out of Atlanta um, from a good friend of mine. It's, it's no longer in, in publication, but I got the opportunity to write about, you know, daily pop culture and college life when I was an undergrad, but I always had a um, heart for service and wanted to work in service. So while I was also in media, I was also getting into the side of social work and working in college access. So my primary job is actually in college access. So I help low-income, underrepresented minority students get to and help them get through college. Um, I did a lot of research on single father advocacy. So I was a single mother for nine years. I'm, I'm recently, or I'm newly married as of September of 2018, but a lot of my work and research went into helping um, advocate for the rights of single fathers, helping to advocate for the modification of child support policy, basically creating holistic families, especially in the black community. Um, I did a lot of research on housing policies, specifically the Housing Choice Voucher Program. Um, I was a Section 8 recipient, or had a Section 8 voucher when, when I was in grad school. And so I got to share my journey while researching the impact that it has on black families, black single mothers, black children, those who were trying to find a good school district for their kids, which would essentially mean living in a less than favorable area. So I've always had a heart for service, um, but I always have a heart for creating content. doesn't always have to be as serious as the subjects that I've given, but those are my, my most I've had. And so when I decided to go to school for social work, that's where my interest for film came from. Um, I took a class about impoverished communities and racism. And a lot of that stemmed from going around to different parts of St. Louis that were once inhabited by Blacks. So a lot of the Black communities here in St. Louis are no more. They've either been dissolved or annexed to other communities or gentrified in some capacity. And Kenlock being one of those. And so the documentary about or the film about Kenlock actually stemmed from me going to graduate school. So if I hadn't gone and got my social work degree, I wouldn't be in film. So what was it like taking the first step to say, I'm going to do a film project? Because it's one thing to say, okay, I want to, but like, what did you do? to get yourself in position to be able to do that? Did you go to school? Did you work on somebody else's set? What did that look yeah. like? Yeah, yeah. so one thing about me, I can be very impulsive. Um, <laughs> I learned by throwing myself in and learning as I go. And film was definitely that for me. So when I was in grad school and I was researching um, the city of Kenlock, and I, I learned about visual mediums. A lot of the ways in which I research different things, I try to find a, a documentary or a little visual snippet or something to kind of like gauge my interest first, right? And then I'll find some literature in a book about the subject afterwards. But with the city of Kenlock, I could not find anything about the city of Kenlock. And I posed a question on Facebook one day and said, um, how come there isn't a documentary about Kenlock? And a good friend of mine, the Queen, had said, uh, why don't you just make one? And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's what I'm doing that happened. And again, no filmmaking experience, minimal equipment, 
and I just kind of went on YouTube and looked up different videos and I bought a camera off a good friend of mine for $200 and I, you know, try to use that to exhaustion to see if I know what I'm doing, try to research different programs that I could join because I knew I didn't want to go back to school, mm-hmm. but I needed something. And ironically, there, a media production company had started up in, so this was 2017, I was graduating from graduate school in 2017, and it's a nonprofit called Continuity here in St. Louis, and their phone mission is to um, diversify or help expand diversity with the media production. And they um, had a call to action to apply, and they only accepted 10 people at the program for adults, and we met one night a week for nine months, and it was paid, um, and it was free. And so we did everything from pre-production to post-production, had guest speakers, we had a scout manager come in, we had a canon rep come in, we had local filmmakers come in, and that was my first time in a non-traditional setting being exposed to learning more about film, not just the art of storytelling, but the technical side of how to work a camera. So I didn't necessarily go to school, but I did position myself to be a student. And... That ended in 2018, and then ever since then, I've just been learning by experience, connecting with other local people, especially other local Black female filmmakers, and yeah, so far, so good. Tell everybody about your uh, the project, Kenlock, because you are talking about it, but tell us like what it's about, because I know you did a short for it but you're doing a feature correct so tell us like what it is and where do you see it going so the short yeah the short was a my final project of my media production program and so um as a student we were required to have three different projects with the three different phases of the program and because i already the kill like that was already a project in motion before i even started um i decided to just see what i could do and short in four minutes so we um couldn't go past five minutes with us starting I, I wanted to know if i could tell a cohesive story an engaging story um in four minutes and so that that was a culmination of that program and the short actually had a nice little festival event so it was in the st louis filmmaker showcase it was in the st louis international film festival and the Benton park film festival which is all here in st louis and so i've gotten a lot of attention I've done a lot of um, media interviews. I've been on the news a couple of times and just connecting with different people who are interested in wanting to help. And I saw the amount of work that went into creating a four-minute short. And I often say to myself, I'm like, man, and I'm over here trying to create a full feature. I don't know what I'm thinking. <laughs> but it gave me a, a good idea and insight into the amount of work it takes to create a compelling and engaging story, but it's also a really good time to create content because people are going into the digital storytelling arena. You have um, like Sierra and Russell that just got a production company and mm-hmm. Michelle and Barack investing into production and communicating on Netflix. So people are seeing the value in digital content creation and nonfiction and fiction stories. So it really is a perfect time, and I'm I'm trying to ride the wave while I can. So I also know that you you spoke about the importance of diversity in media. Why is that important to you? Oh man, we 
see what happens when industries are one-sided. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that are produced are one-sided. It is not representative of the rest of the world. It is not representative of other people's experiences. And so you see what happens when you put, not just black people, but people of color, you put them at the forefront, when you put them in control and you see what we can create with minimal resources all the way to exponential resources. We we rock the world, we shake the world, we make waves from you know, Ava DuVernay and Black Panther and Spike Lee and Ryan Coogler, you know, just to name a few, but you need that representation to reflect what is really going on in the world. And so when you're trying to tell diverse stories to reflect what is going on in the world, both nonfiction and fiction, you need people who are represented in that story to also be behind the camera. I totally agree. And we, I just was having this conversation with one of my uh, filmmaker friends, and we were just saying how um, it's just important that kids that look like us know that this is possible because, like, they don't know. Like, I literally was reading something and somebody had posted, like, if I didn't listen to the podcast, like, I wouldn't know there were women out here that, are, that were doing this. And then it's like, if we aren't doing it, then we, our perspective isn't being told or like shown, whatever it is, whether it's documentaries or on TV, whatever. Where do you see Kenlock going as far as the feature? Because I know you did the short. I watched the short too. It was very good. I enjoyed it. Thank you. I was like invested. I said, I need to know what's going on in Kenlock. No, it was like people tell me all the time, like, you got about 20 seconds to capture an audience before they click out your stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, I got I to gotta reel them in with these with this little bitty four minutes. But I'm still trying to figure that out, right? Because the, the story behind Kenlock is, you know, not only is that Missouri's first Black incorporated city, it was the largest all-Black city west of the Mississippi of its time. Um Everybody was pretty much an entrepreneur in the city of Kenlock. My family is from. Um, my grandfather migrated up here from Covington, Tennessee, and he settled in Kenlock right before he left for World War II. So it, it holds, it's a very personal, it's a very personal story, not just for me, but for a lot of people um, across the region. And I want to tell the story with integrity because it's such a sensitive topic. It's a lot of bad things that have occurred within the city of Kenlock since it you know, essential demise, which I'll share a little bit more in the documentary. I can't be seen in the short, but I go back and forth about how much I want to be involved in the film. Do I want to just be behind the camera or do I want a part of my story to be on the screen? Um, how much of, you know, it, it's such a thick story. You can tell so much in it to where I don't think a 60 minute, you know, feature would do it justice. So I'm even toying around with the idea of episodic. You know, we have Netflix series and you're breaking things down by theme and subject per episode so people can take it in bite by bite at their own pace. And so with that being a newfound thing, especially within documentaries, you know, I'm even open to that. That would be really good. Yeah, I think that would be good. So as you're prepping to do the feature, like, how are you getting ready for that? Like, because you, you did get to, you know, practice and utilize the camera. Like, how did you find your team? So my 
primary videographer is one of my former instructors from the media training program. And it really is a two-person team. So I do the directing. I do the producing. I'm finding the subjects. I'm coordinating logistics and finding places to interview and renting equipment if need be. Um, I'm doing the preliminary edits just to get the story down because I can't I can't do stories on paper. Like I have mm-hmm. to see it visually and then I'll send it to him for him to do the cleanup. Um, but it's really been two people. I would love to have a team because I, I get, I stay in my head so much and because it is such a sensitive topic and it makes me very vulnerable, not just because, you know, it's, it's family oriented, but I'm an artist and, you know, we're sensitive about our stuff. We are. So I'm <laughs> at a place now where I need to be open to, receiving people who have verbalized that they would like to help and actually believe them when they say that and trust that they will help me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been the challenge. But the the benefit that I do have is because my family is from there. A lot of the people that I've had the opportunity to interview are familiar with my father, are familiar with, you know, my family members who are no longer here on this earth. But it, it's kind of, I've spent a lot of time relationship building with people so they're comfortable in sharing the story with me. Um, so that's where I am now. Even the interviews that I've done in the past, going back and watching footage and saying, mm, I don't like how this was shot. I mm-hmm. kind of want to do this over. Now that I have a better idea of what I'm doing. So I'm actually doing interviews next week because I have a um, small grant that I need to <laughs> use the rest of the funds for before June 1st. So I'm like, putting pedal to the metal right now and then I want a um to do a Kickstarter launch this coming July. So I've been doing a lot of research on crowdfunding and crowdsourcing and copywriting and having a great, you know, what makes a successful Kickstarter and all of it while still working and being a wife and being a mom and just wanting time to myself. So it's a it's a very busy season. Yeah, you are over there busy. <laughs> <laughs> you are busy yes, where do you see yourself going as a filmmaker because you are at the like beginning of your journey like what do you want to do big picture I would love to do this full time not just documentary filmmaking but I love um, like social media management I love working with brands I've, I've dabbled in some influencer work um, a few times over the past couple of years and I would love to take that you know, more seriously. So not just digital content, but writing, um, continuing to write. I would love to do public speaking on, you know, the importance of preserving Black history, Black communities. And so not just the film side, but in all media. But I would love to tell other other stories. I often say that I like to pull out the extraordinary and ordinary things. Mm. Um, so like the underdog, right? The people that we typically walk past on the street and don't say anything to have the most profound stories or the communities that are often neglected have the richest history. And so I want to highlight those people, places, and spaces. But I also have a small fear of like that just being essentially being typecasted. So when I when I create mm. something, it's almost expected that that's the type of content that I would create, which can be a good or a bad thing, but um, I see myself remaining in, in nonfiction documentary work. I haven't really explored the, the narrative uh, fiction work. I don't know what that looks like for me just yet, but I'm not opposed. So we'll see. I'm open. That's good. I, I was going to tell you the one thing that my 
screenwriter friends always tell me because I'm like, I'm not writing that. And they're like, you stay open. Stop saying what you're not going to do. <laughs> right. Right. So I get it, too, with you feeling like you want to you don't want to be like put in a box because I love documentaries and I say I want to tell human stories. Um, mm-hmm. But I also love like writing like uh, web series that have like a comedic aspect. So I don't want I just want people to look at me as a storyteller. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to ask you, what advice do you have for women filmmakers and who is looking to get started? I would say um, find a subject or topic of interest to you. Do a little bit of research beyond your current information and what you know and take inventory of your current resources and just go out there and shoot. Um, One thing that I do even now is I will compare not necessarily myself to other filmmakers, but my resources to other resources. And I will talk myself out of things before I even get started. You know, I don't have the best camera or my lens isn't that sharp or, you know, I'm not proficient in Adobe Premiere or whatever. Anything can be taught and anything can be outsourced. But one thing that I am is is a bomb storyteller. I can can craft a story. I can engage an audience. I can reel them in. So I try to highlight the stuff that I am good at and the things that I'm not as proficient right now or that I know somebody is better at, I will, I'm will. i learning to ask for help before I am in dire need of help. But just get started. Like, shoot shoot your shot. I would say, like, the, the worst someone can tell you is no. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, often that just means not right now. And so only being in, in film industry for two years, this little four-minute short that I made off of $2,000 from a grant that I got from my job has been in three festivals and I've done two small screenings and I've garnered another grant from a local artist um, business here in St. Louis and I've done media interviews and people are wanting to support what I'm doing and connecting with other people in black communities who want their stories told. Um, And people are learning more about me. My daughter is learning more about, you know, her heritage and city that her papa came from and understanding black history and black community. So it's a lot of indirect good consequences of me just jumping in and learning as I go. And people find my authenticity refreshing. I'm very keen on and I'm I'm not afraid to tell people when I don't know what I'm doing Mm -hmm. or that, you know, I, you know, can't use this footage because I was underprepared or just sharing my journey along the way people find, you know, refuge in knowing, okay, it's not just me. Um, it's funny, I was telling another woman this when I was she's, I'm working with her to become our branding coach, but I, so many times we see people in the media or brand influencers, social media influencers kind of give you their story of where they are now, um, how they are successful now, which is fine, but I want to hear the story of the girl who's two or three steps ahead of me mm-hmm. and what that success can look like two months from now, six months from now, 12 months from now. I'm not talking about 10 years from now when all of your student loan debt is cleared. I, I can aspire Honey. to that. But in my <laughs> immediate term, what is what is within my bandwidth and my capacities as far as May 8th, 2019, show me somebody who was in it with me, but maybe just a step ahead of me. And so that's where I find myself in. I'm still learning. And so I want to show my journey as I'm learning, not hide it 
um, and wait till I've quote unquote made it. I want you to see what this looked like. I want you to see what it felt like to, to not be able to use footage, to not know how to work the audio, to have to seek out people to help you along the way for people who, you know, interview, but they don't want their face. All of those nuanced stuff that as a non-traditional filmmaker, black female filmmaker, because it's completely different, right? It's, it's, it's more stuff that goes into it being a minority within filmmaking, but I want to share that. Yes. And I also wanted to ask you because you have done a lot with your short, you have been in a film festival. So like tell us that your experience with that, you, for people who might not, or are even considering, okay, I want to put my, whatever I've done, my project into a film festival. How has that been for you so far? Man, it's, it's amazing. Like the first time I saw like my film on a big screen, it was surreal. Like it wasn't necessarily like a lot of people there, but it was just like, man, this is what it feels like to sit back in the audience with other people and just watch your work and get to see, you know, how other people take it in. And it was my birthday weekend last year and it was amazing. And so the, the, when the film festival kicked off like right before my bachelorette party and so the award ceremony after the film festival was occurring when I was on my way back to St. Louis and I got a text that said like yeah you won the fierceness award at the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase and I got like a little mini trophy and that was like my very first you know award recognition for my very first film festival for my very first film and it was very affirming mm-hmm. and I found power in knowing so all of the film festivals were, were local they were all in st louis they were all in my home hometown and to see and st louis is one of them states where it's very hard to prove you know the why you should support me and i got support and ironically from people who did not look like me mm. majority of the people who who put footsteps behind their support were not people who look like me it's not saying that it's my, my family right. and people that are on my team but what i've noticed People at the ready are the ones who didn't look like me. And so it's like, okay, there's an interest here. People want to support me. People are are letting me know to let them know when I am ready. But it's it's possible. Like I've been awarded two grants just for this short film. And again, those are local. So I just I cast in my net within my bandwidth to kind of, you know, give me that affirmation to know that I'm in the, the right field, to know that this is something I'm supposed to be doing. And it gave me the confidence boost to continue to shoot my shot. Like I submitted the film to the Smithsonian in DC. I didn't get it, but I just, I was cocky. I wanted to shoot my shot to see what happened. <laughs> I sent it to ABSS and like, I didn't get accepted, but it was just like, okay, I kind of know what the process is like, but I got accepted as a volunteer for ABSS. So it's like, I'm even the things that I'm getting denied for, it's kind of like what I have even had the guts to do this last year. Mm. Like if you tell me no, that gives me something else to work at. Um, to pay attention to, to change, to edit to a minute or what have you. But getting into that film festival and getting support from my local community has been amazing. That's really good. Like, I can yeah. imagine. And I even like that you are saying, like, you know, you're starting in your community. You're starting where you are. Because mm-hmm. I think that sometimes we look for, like people who have arrived to support us first and it's like you just don't know what you're missing in your community because you you got grants like that's Mm -hmm. the number one thing that filmmakers are like I need money and so that's Mm -hmm. awesome thank you 
Okay. And then my last question to ask you is, what mm-hmm. is a challenge that you have for women filmmakers? Anybody who's going to listen, who's going to come back and listen months from now, what is one thing that you challenge them to do to propel them towards their dreams as filmmakers? I would say find other creative outlets that challenge you to become a better storyteller. So another thing that I do is, um, are you familiar with Humans of St. I mean, Humans of New York? Yes, I love it. <laughs> yeah, so we have a Humans of St. Louis. And we have about 100,000, you know, Facebook followers on the page. And I've recently become a storyteller for Humans of St. Louis. And it gave me... Um, better interviewing skills because essentially what we're doing is going around the city stopping random people with the camera and asking them random questions and granting you know getting permission to film them and tell their story and so now I'm learning you know photography while I'm also working on my interviewing skills and um, I'm an extrovert but I also have like a little bit of social anxiety and social awkwardness when it comes to people that I don't know especially when I'm by myself and so doing humans of St. Louis I'm not getting paid for it but that is an extra practice and that I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying. I'm going to parts of St. Louis that I typically wouldn't frequent on my own. I'm meeting different types of people that I probably wouldn't have stopped on my own. But I really do believe it is enhancing my filmmaking skills. Um, I've reached out to other local production companies in St. Louis that, you know, takes on freelance producers or freelance directors. And so I had the opportunity to produce a story for um, a local production company called HEC TV here in St. Louis. And the story was about the vacancy issue plaguing St. Louis City. And so I got the opportunity to to produce that story. And so it's just different opportunities that arise because I'm not afraid to put myself out there as an amateur, as a beginner, as somebody who doesn't have a filmmaking degree. But I exude enough confidence to show that I am betting on myself So this is why you should bet on me as well. So looking for those other creative outlets that, you know, may or may not be going into your bank account, but they definitely give you those intangible skills that will better help you become a storyteller and filmmaker. I think that's such a good suggestion. And Mm -hmm. while you were talking, I went and looked at it. (laughs) Humans. (laughs) That's such a good suggestion. I'm going to have to look and see if they have it in my area. Like, I would so love you to should. do that. It's, it's man, we, well, we were in a little bit of uproar this past week because of stories about abortion. And, you know, that's always a sensitive topic. But what it does is gets people engaged. Yeah. It gets people engaged and it gets people to find empathy and realize that we're human with our own unique stories. Like, stuff happens in life that we can all probably relate to, but it's unique to each and every person. And so I just, I love humanizing stories and letting people see the the beauty in everybody, you know, letting people see the extraordinary in ordinary people. Yes. We all have it. We do. Well, I'm thankful that you took some time to like share your journey and I can't wait to see as you evolve and where storytelling is going to take you. Thank you. Thank you for letting me share my story on your platform. I hope I, I inspire myself again. Sometimes I just need to look in the mirror and tell yeah. myself how great I am. Yeah. But providing that platform, I, I do not take that lightly. So I appreciate that. No problem. And let everybody know who's listening how they can connect, collaborate, keep in touch with you. Yeah. So my personal page, um, Instagram is I am 
Alana Marie. That's I A M A L A N A M A R I E. And for my documentary, it's titled The Kenlock Doc, and that is also on Instagram and Facebook and the website. So it is The Kenlock Doc, T H E K I N L O C H D O C. Okay, everyone, and you know the drill. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Go live your filmmaking dreams. And make sure you subscribe. If you have any questions, send us an email. And make sure that you are sharing the wealth of knowledge that we are giving you. Talk to y'all soon.